When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Marcus Meets, a show that lives on the internet at marcusbronzy.com slash meets. That's M-A-R-C-U-S. B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com slash meets. In this episode, beatboxing, Harvard lecturing and professional chess playing all feed into each other for the world-class mind that is Reaps One. We kick off by talking about a project of his, which is on YouTube called Does Not Exist, uh, with VR beatbox and 3D sound. Reaps, what exactly is 3D sound? Well, it's, it's called a few different things. Um, the main term is gyroscopic sound. So like gyroscopic uh, basically means when you listen to these new VR projects, yeah. the sound is situated uh, and fixed to point. So when you turn your head and your body moves, yeah. just like in the real world, yeah. all the things stay where they, where they're exactly where they should be. Yeah. And that has not been the case before. And websites like youtube now have taken on this gyroscopic function but there's hardly any content out there that's really using it and taking advantage of it because it's just another insane element that's going to lead to real immersion in these ideas of artists musicians and creatives that are going to utilize this this technique and you did and how how did you manage to fit all the audio and all of the visuals together how do you put that together because i presume the audio is one thing that you've got to record and think about and then you've got the visuals how how did that even come in t- into play well there's an amazing uh amazing man called john hendercott who hit me up yeah who's now in la um and he's part of aurelia sound and he the mill from la who's one of the most amazing production companies in the world yeah um, and myself teamed up and we wanted to take on this new challenge of, of creating content, creating a piece that can push this new sort of technique to the edge. Mm. And I met up with, with John Hennicott, I met up with the mill and they were like, Reaps, basically this is like going to be a, about a year ahead of what other people are doing. Yeah. When we release it, it's probably not going to be even the most directly accessible thing because A, there's like so many people in the world but not that many people have headsets yet not everyone has a samsung which is the the main thing that can you can actually get the gyroscopic sound yeah. with um but you want to take this on so we were given a certain number of days and uh, we had to sort of ideate a number of different possibilities and i was extremely honored that they came to me as a creative not just as a musician who who they thought could come up with uh, a piece that could u- utilize this technique yeah yeah and uh it's 
Can you, let's describe what's going on in the video, because I think that's the easiest way of making people understand that. I'm obviously going to put a link to it uh, in in the description of this show as well. But visually, what did you want people to take in? Well, I think I've always had uh, a massive joy of, of two things. One is overstimulation. Like, I love information. I love being surrounded by almost uh, like uh, a plethora of, of, of possibilities. Yeah. I f- feel the yeah. most comfortable when music, art, and everything is almost uh, overstimulating. I feel that's a, a sort of millennial trait. Like, the more information, uh, the more excited I become. Um, and I think one of the only places in human existence you kind of get such a freedom is is in like uh, the dreamscape and those strange places between sort of day-to-day life where you have all this information that's presented to you. So I thought if I'm going to immerse someone in a space, I, I want it to be as dreamlike and as um, Dali-esque as possible. And that is that realm that I find really, really exciting as a creative. So that was the, the premise of, of, uh, of the work. Um, and when we started talking, we, we spoke about Dali, we spoke about the different possibilities. And originally they wanted to go down a more um, direct, literal route. But I very much pushed for that surreal sort of strange element. And that's the, the, the sort of middle place that I really enjoy. And it's definitely got that dreamlike vibe in it as well. Loads of locations. Uh, yeah. Where did you shoot the video? Well, it's 11 locations for two and a half minutes. Uh, so I flew out to L.A., and we had four days to make it. Um, so the first day I wrote the music. So I wrote the whole audio track in one day with John Hendercott. Yeah. And then uh, we went to different warehouse spaces in LA. We went to Joshua Tree, which is, it literally looked like Mars. I've never been anywhere like that before in my life. Um, this It had the dreamlike crazy thing going on. Yeah. The salt flatlands, the desert plain. Um, and uh, yeah, I was just basically thrown into all of these insane sort of situations. Um, and we had to, it wasn't like film with a 360 camera. It was filmed in slices. So we had to, to sort of, every single spot had four bits of shooting to, and they stitched it together. Wow. So, so that's, yeah. a lot of ta- that's a lot of takes then. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And a lot of the stuff that I do and I've taken pride on is the fact that I can, I can use my voice to do a lot. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's something I'm really proud of. But this was an opportunity to, to write a full piece. And when it starts, there's one of me and by the end there's 11 of me. Mm. So I had to keep that in mind when I was writing everything because I realized I actually then had to act it out physically. Yeah. Um, I had to be divided and they had to place me in all these different situations. And I had to remember all the different layers and associate a different spot in which I'd stand and how close and far away is that? What is the environment? Is it echoey? Is it dead? Yeah. And it was to showcase um, this amazing juxtaposition of switching between lots of different places and how that, that changes, but in 3D. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the best experience you could get easily i reckon is if you've got an iphone out because then you can actually access the video and move around with it but 3d audio wise like you said if you can get your hands on the samsung completely oh my gosh <laughs> like, <laughs> like luckily um i've got a mate samsung so they hooked us up and actually had, had got to have a go and i was just like this is the future are you not have you not just put a mad amount of pressure on yourself <laughs> now for your future productions <laughs> because of the absolute phenomenal layers of quality that you've popped into this completely of course um but i i really embrace that i think i remember like i my my best friend uh ben hoy 
back in the day when I first started beatboxing, he was like the first one to kind of catch up to me a little bit. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, what, what this, this, this human being is like testing me. He's pushing me. <laughs> um, and, uh, I quite quickly realized that no, hold on. I just need to keep improving. I need to get better. Mm. And that very simple childlike principle has like radiated all the way through and projects like this, of course I need to keep leveling up and keep innovating. And that's what the last year and a half has been for me. It used to be about really jumping on stage, making 5,000 people dance. Yeah. But now what physically can I do, which I've never done before? How can I utilize technology in a way I've never done before? How can I really push myself? And I think having that little bit of fear and that bit of pressure is just like the perfect mixture of, of uh, dynamics. Yeah. I don't know you since you were younger, but YouTube videos do show a lot of uh, you as a young beatboxer and that fire was definitely in you. I, I remember seeing an interview where somebody compliments you on how good you are and you were like... Yeah, I'm only just started, like, not just like beatboxing, but just started get improving and uh, don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see where I'm going to be in about five or six years. Yeah, all I know is that I want to get better at what I do. And that's, that's the main thing, is that I improve. and Because uh, um, I feel like if anything else, any sort of respect, any money, any fame I get out of it should be a byproduct. It should be something that comes from me getting better at beatboxing or getting better at my artwork. Can I just, yeah, that you've done, you've done your research. I know exactly what video you're, you're talking about as well. Um, and yes, I think my, my surroundings and like the people I really look up to have always kind of found worth through their creativity yeah. and they, f- they found power through how much they improve and like some people have temples other people have sort of uh food like i feel good and feel strong by the constant progression and that is my temple to feel like i am leveling up and it's not like you say it's not aggressive or an arrogant thing it's more just for for myself and how i go day to day like what is it i can do that makes me push myself um and it's definitely got me into some really exciting and crazy situations but leveling up is part of the part of the game definitely and and you've used technology to do that have you always been a fan of tech has that always been something that you've always been interested in the advancements of as well yeah i've always been uh pretty obsessive when it comes to like my my, my crafts and yeah. where i try to utilize any skill i can to to kind of improve so um yeah I, i've got a setup at home um and anything i can use to to push what i'm doing of course i, I take advantage of that and in this day and age you can't really ignore tech mm. i mean you even went uh to the music tech fest in berlin uh what was that like uh that's it's crazy um it's an event to push people that are on the fringes of technology people that are developing like beta versions of hardware software um and really uh i've never been a part of anything like that so andrew dubbar who's the, the sort of brains behind the whole thing um together we decided to do a vocal lab and the idea was to ideate different possibilities uh, that are that can push the voice further so mm-hmm. if you have an individual who has like a unique palette what skills do people have to to create an amazing showpiece or to help the deaf or how can the voice be something that is is a skill um is a tool sorry that that's used so being there doing what i was doing was great but it was 
insane how many geniuses are just running around <laughs> like you think you're clever um and then you see how much people are able to apply themselves and especially when they come together you have all these unique skill sets people that are specialists in their field and then all of a sudden they're all in the same room it's like what happens and that basically is what music tech fest is okay uh, and yeah i've never been a part of anything like that Okay, is that when they talk about stuff like cymatics? Is that am I saying that right? Cymatics. Cymatics, yeah. <laughs> what is cymatics? Please again. Yeah, yeah so it's, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a crazy professor uh, in not too long, but um cymatics is the study of vibration creating form. So what that means and people don't realize like you hear music, you're sitting in your car, you're at a club, um someone hits a table and the sound is air being pushed effectively but what you don't realize is that if you could see the air it's beautiful there is amazing rigid order in how that happens yeah and cymatics is is a another name for that force it's how you can use sound to organize things um so if you have like a, a piece of metal say a square piece of metal and a bow that you'd use to play a violin and pour some salt when you strike down the side of the piece of metal, that tone resonates through um, the metal plane. And that order that I'm talking about, it creates these beautiful shapes in the salt. The sound pushes and moves and changes and organizes ev- things around us. And cymatics is, is studying, showing that. Wow. And did you, did you get to investigate that or talk about, is that an interest of yours, cymatics? Yeah, well, I, um, I always wanted to visually represent my voice. It's something that I uh, was natural progression as a visual artist. Yeah. And I started to dabble with programming. Um, and then I realized that using this cymatic tool, I don't need a program when I have physics. <laughs> physics <laughs> becomes a program. So I started to use that and the vibration of my voice to manipulate things to create visuals. So um, it was with that, I started to develop artwork with Zach Walker, who's a visual technician, Lyndon Jay's producer, Ben Hopper, who's a photographer. We did a whole photographic series from my voice, creating these insane, intricate pieces of work. Um, and cymatic is, is something that is all around us. It's something that everyone um, is sort of aware of subconsciously, but we were just using it to create work. Um, and these, this visual tool can be used to show deaf people what sound sounds and looks like. So we, we utilize it in any way that we can, but it's, uh, it's definitely um, an interesting palette. The, the things you can get out of it are amazing. Interesting. I mean, you seem to be someone that's keen on on most types of art like you know um, you, a lot of the time you find somebody who's into music they're like music's my life that's it you know yeah i appreciate a bit of artwork but have you always been into sort of visual as as much as the the music you're into like because i've heard i read about secret walls yes yeah so my um i drew before i did any music i always thought that that was going to be like what i did um before uh, I started realizing all the sounds you can make as a human being. Mm. Um, and then my dad was, was painting like for as long as I can remember. So I, I have actually got a funny story that the first time I picked up pens and uh, my dad left me alone, I covered like half the house in, in, <laughs> in mark making. I was like, what's this? I can leave my mark on the world. I yes. can, I can change my surroundings. And it's such a, such a direct way of changing the world around you. And that boldness is something that I, I love. Um, and it's, it's massive part of 
my work um and there's this amazing thing called secret walls Mm. and secret walls is part of a artist collective that um i was a part of which battles and puts artists against each other in a visual realm so you have to visually outdo your opponents and that was one of the first times i kind of broke onto the scene and was in the public domain the first time i was in front of crowds Mm. was battling people um visually which is a strange concept to some how do yeah how do you how does a visual battle play out so you have 90 minutes, black and white only. You have a large space. Uh, one of the battles I had, there was a thousand people watching. Wow. Um, absolutely terrifying. <laughs> it was when I was a bit younger and yeah. I, I was less bold. Uh, having to stand up in front of people um, is such an unraveling thing. I knew some artists and some of the guys that battled who were like bold guys. They like you didn't think they got nervous and yeah. they're cocky as, as hell. Yeah. And then they get up on, on the board and then you can see just there's little quivers in their hand and they're shaking. You're like, oh, okay, cool. So they have 90 minutes and there's uh, two votes from a judge and one vote from the, the crowd uh, using a decibel reader. Um, and what started was, uh, the way it started out was people would just paint pretty pictures. They just draw, they come, they have their character or the thing they do and they put it on the wall. But what started to happen was individuals started to react to their opponent so one amazing example um was by an artist called odyssey who started his battle by drawing this empty sketchbook in the middle of the wall just pet book open nothing in it and his opponent just starts drawing and for the rest of the battle he draws these amazing figures like all stood around this book looking at the book laughing and everyone's like what's going on and five minutes before the end um odyssey draws what his opponent drew in the sketchbook <laughs> and so it's, it's it's that play on 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 the visuals and it being present in the moment and reacting to your opponent uh and stylistically trying to outdo them being sensitive to the crowd being bold but not being too aggressive it was this like juxtaposition of different things that made it uh, really really interesting and really exciting and artists had a really direct platform that normally musicians only get yeah like you can get up on stage and all of a sudden there's like a thousand people or however many people in a room are, are listening to you but normally an artist is hidden away in their room painting and it's only when they finish it gets shared with this this crazy format people see it from beginning to end they can really see the humor of the artist that they appreciate and uh they get to see them kick some ass occasionally I'd love to see that. Are they still going on Secret Walls? Yeah, it started off just in London. Uh, and at one point, it grew to the point that there was 350 flights booked. Different cities were battling each other um, for like one tournament. Uh, and now there is actually one happening at London, uh, in, in London. It's, uh, I think they're in the semi-final right now. So if you just check out Secret Walls, you'll see that it's going on. And yeah, I still go down just to support and check it out occasionally. And I do some of the other events uh, around the world. That sounds wicked. Do you go down there and do you do art or do you do your beatboxing? These days, I well, I, I host occasionally. Yeah. I still paint for them and I still beatbox. So I'm part of the family very much. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a, again, it has its own kind of innovation. Like it was the first to really define that format. And it really gives artists this, this different platform that I spoke about. So it's amazing to be a part of that. Like I, I couldn't really not be a part of something like that still. Awesome. So that's your art stuff. I'm not saying that's over with, but... <laughs> beatboxing is what i believe you are known for the most right now you are you are known as a serious beatboxer a little bit yeah just, just a little bit <laughs> just a little bit um what was your intro into beatboxing how did that happen um well 
I really enjoy the immediacy of things, things that I can sort of do instantly. And yeah. that's why I love painting. So I could pick up a paint brush and paint at any point. But with music, I relied on the instruments. I needed to have my instruments around me. And I played uh, quite a few different things. And I get frustrated with the fact that I couldn't make music all the time. When I was walking places, I had to kind of get back to my drums. I had to get back to my trumpet. Um, and I had enough. I realized that I could sort of internalize music theory. I could practice these instruments by just speaking the idea, speaking the music theory. Mm. Um, and yeah, being able to, to make music instantly, um, it started to go from just understanding music to thinking, why do sounds sound the way they do? Why and how can I progress? Uh, and I was born very much in the sort of, when my teens were the birth of grime music and that was all around me, uh, I was surrounded by people spitting and my contribution was to be able to instantly make music and I had to be loud and I had to be powerful. Otherwise people didn't hear me. Um, and that kind of, that climate of different things cultivated me into quite a, uh, an electronic influence, London born beatboxer mm. uh, and i was very much representing the music of london i wasn't representing what beatboxing was at that point and what is beatboxing like why if people think it's about copying things or um making sounds for the sake of it where for me as growing up in london it was for me to to really show my place and write music that was influenced by london music and to back up my people that were um wanted to perform on the spot that was that was really where it all started Wicked man, and and you're so you're heavily influenced by grime. Uh, who's on your favourite grime MCs on your way up? The UK rap, should we say? That's that's for, the, for our international listeners. Like, what's grime? Yeah, that's stuff the skeptics well, doing, yeah. man. Well, yeah. I, if I'm honest, like it really, the UK hip hop influence was was massive for me. I was surrounded mm -hmm. by like Task Force and Klashnikov and and these heads. But um, and people will laugh, but getting home to channel you being on was like a massive massive influence for me and all the early esky beats all the early wiley beats mm -hmm. it sounded like me like it sounded like my sounds um and it was the instrumental side of it that really inspired me um and that's what what stuck with me that lo-fi sort of underproduced but full of energy sound mm. that's what um what set me off and that it that really like stuck with me all the way through my musical progression that was what what set me off and when did you realize that this was something like you could actually you know compete at a, a very high level with when you're like wow I'm, I'm actually i'm at a good level now i can get in there and get involved i had i had no idea this i it was it was a really natural organic thing that i just absolutely loved and i wanted to be a part of um so i was like Do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna be a part of some of the battles um my first battle i was 17 and it was at plan b in london i wasn't going to be let in because i was too young mm -hmm. um and i rocked up won the battle and then got kicked out i was like <laughs> okay hold on maybe there's something here and that progressed to me really innocently going to the world championships when i was 18 um, and I remember saying to uh, uh, Captain Crunch, who's a, a massive influence on me, he's an amazing DJ. I was like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to do my thing. As long as I show my style, I'm happy. Um, and then I came third. Uh, now that, that's what set me off. I then came back and won the UK championships twice. Yeah. And that was my relationship with, with battling. That was, uh, it was very much a, uh, a way to just play the game. And that's what I see the battling is. And actually why I don't do it anymore 
was it's a game and it's amazing to push you and to challenge yourself. But then at some point you've got to stop playing games and you've got to think what is that level up and what is the the progression? Yeah, because I was going to ask you, you, you know, when you did the judging in 2015, I was like, is that the end of you now battling? Is that n- we're not going to see you battling? You've you got, you got other fish to fry now. Yeah, I think judging the world championships is very much like... you. you that is stepping out of the ring in some capacity. But I've also been like really vocal about it because it used to bring out like uh, a, a, uh, a certain type of music making, this kind of hyper, um, hyper aggressive, mm. uh, how many sounds can you do? Um, and this, this battling, having two minutes to kind of outdo your opponent in that realm is, is great. But I think if you're doing it all the time, you start to think like that when you're off stage and you're actually at like a gig. And if you're if you're battling doing two minute showcases and then all of a sudden you've got to do a half hour hour showcase of yourself and be more of a DJ. Those two things are really conflicting. They don't really have a synergy. Um, And it's 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 healthy in my mind to choose your challenges, choose your battle and that kind of changed to me for me as I developed as an artist and I um I still love battling and I support it and there's all these amazing artists coming through but I, I found it it started to affect my musical thinking and affect the way that I can compose music so I just decided to take on a new challenge and it's it was how many people can I make dance with my voice awesome so you're, you're literally talking about artist development I mean we've all seen a rapper that's got or, or an artist that's got a hit single play when they're very early on in their career and they're not used to sort of entertaining a crowd for you know a half an hour 45 minute set when they've only got a hit single and you compare them to an artist that you know has been around for a a little while and they really know how to work with the crowd and I guess that's what you're talking about trying to try and develop and I do want to ask you about your live show but Mm. uh, before we crack on from that as a judge uh, what makes a good beatboxer what impresses you it's because it is it is intrinsically um it has this this differentness about it because you're vocal, but you're composing instrumentals. The things that you're producing, you normally would get that same kind of thinking through a computer. So you have all of these choices, all of these different influences, all these different ways that you can use your voice. Like I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of different sounds. Um, you should be able to find your own, what I call crease. You should be able to find your own slice of the pie stylistically. And whenever I go to these things, some people judge on technical ability and all these like, just like really rudimentary things. For me, it's, it's just originality. You can see... There's this spark of either their own, their own branch or it's some evolution of something. They've, they've dug deep enough to find something which is unique um, and they're in touch with the world around them. It's not so much uh, sort of, I, I don't know how to put it, um, sort of self-indulgent, uh, sort of um, internal sharing where you're just inside yourself and and not really connecting with the world around you you, you get those people that go out and you can instantly tell they can really feel the crowd around yeah. them and they're aware um, and that's that juxtaposition of the two things they've dug deep enough within themselves to find something new and they're using it to connect with the crowd in front of them so that's that's me that's what i contribute and i'm that's that's really what i i look for maybe someone else has something different Awesome. Well, well, as as one of the judges, hey, and you, hey, not, we're not saying you're not going to judge again. So you know, it's good for people to know that. I'm sure lots of beatboxers will be taking notes, going, "All right, I need to find, <laughs> find my crease and dig deep inside." Uh, but so live shows, um, 
like you said, very different to the clashing sort of thing. Cause you know, instead of t- two minutes, you've got a full set to play. Um, what can we expect from a reaps one live show? For me, uh, I am massively influenced by dance music more recently, much more progressive dance music. Um, it's much closer to a DJ set. So I think I can't really describe in words exactly what it is, but to give a bit of context, um, I played Arcadia stage at Boomtown Festival, yep. which is like 10,000 capacity. Uh, it's a giant spider, um, like robot spider shoots fire out the top of it, which is completely irrelevant to my point, but it's kind of cool. Uh, and on that stage, you can't really see the person playing. You can't see that there's a person up there. And so many people rely and tend to rely on the visual. But when I was up there, I am the sound. My mm-hmm. voice is the sand and that is what creates the show it's electronically produced electronic sounding human vocals which is all my own unique composed music so everyone else in the crowd to them it was a dj set and there might have been x number of people that knew that it was me playing but it was only till the end that i said what was happening and i think that's a big thing for me you shouldn't rely on the novelty of like look it's it's my voice um and it's that reaction you could hear the crowd respond to that fact that they've just been dancing for an hour to a human voice and the human voice alone it's that that i seek for and that i really believe in and that really is what the reaps one show represents yes there's the shock value of the fact it's a human voice but it's a dance set it's an electronic set um and it's uh making music instantly in the moment it's as live as humanly possible um, and that's paired with Lyndon J, who's an insanely talented producer who mixes me live. So he's the one that really translates it and push it, pushes it forward. That's awesome, man. And I think that kind of sounds like you've described your crease as well, really. Like, you it know, is my crease. That's, that's your crease. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a beatboxer, though, you use your voice a lot. How do you stop yourself getting a sore throat? It's a good question. Um, I never get a thought sore throat. I never get any trouble. Um, I've been to, because you've got to take care of yourself. Like uh, the, you are definitely, I, I know for a fact that I'm pushing my voice. Um, I've, I've had phoneticians and scientists come and check out what I'm doing because they're like, they're in, intrigued is a, is a way to put it. Um, and it's just listening to yourself and making sure. I think anyone that, that pushes themselves beyond what's expected needs to be really careful. I have so many music friends who are um, jazzers or have something that they're extremely talented at and they want to do it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to listen to your body. I just do that. If I'm ever uncomfortable or tired, I stop. So it's not the most exciting answer in the world. But yeah, I, I do our sets. But for some reason, I always feel great. You're good. All right, cool. Fair enough. I run as well. You've got to run. You've got to keep your cardio up. So oh, like, really? You run a lot? Yeah, yeah. That's it. Because it? it's really physical. Like, okay. Um, just imagine if you, instead of using Ableton or Logic, you had to kind of think about it and physically make all those noises. It's, um, it's uh, the constant pursuit of finding new sounds and being able to sustain it and uh yeah my i've got my diaphragm is is on point (laughs) okay cool i have to i have to there is a massive physical element this mixture of sort of electronic thinking with actual physical human beings and that's what confuses a lot of people and what a lot of people don't uh find it hard to kind of take in is it just it is a, a medium all of its own and i really enjoy the fact that it's kind of surprising to people or there's preconceptions and everyone's like hip hop or they think it's, um, I don't know, it's got a certain sort of one-dimensionalness to it. And it's great to, to, to kind of surprise people in that way. And when you explain how much is actually going on and the scientific side of it, um, yeah, I'm just in, intrigued to see 
people's reactions. Yeah, you mentioned working with like scientists and scientific side of things. Is it true you had your brain scanned while you were beatboxing? I did have my brain scanned. What um, was that about? So these, yeah, the crazy professor insinuations kind of continued. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I so to make it really clear, obviously I'm a musician, I'm an artist, but uh, above and beyond everything else, I'm a creative. Like I want to understand what I do. I want to see how I can push myself further. And I was performing in London, and this woman came up to me, who said, "I want your brain." And I had never heard that before. Mm. I had no idea what she meant. And it turned out that she was a neurologist at UCL. Her name was Professor Sophie Scott. And she uh, involved me in an experiment which was all about expert behavior. It's the thing that happens in every human mind when you become good at something. Uh, and creatively, I think everyone up to a certain point thought it's untouchable. You can't understand it. There's no way of... Of, of seeing how these things happen or understanding how these things happen. But the truth is this term expert behavior represents what your mind is doing when you do something so much. And I have performed and, and made music so much. And she put me in an MRI scanner to compare me to people who had just started. And what was the, what was the difference? So people that just started beatboxing, people that just so started beatboxing, me being like beats and cats and beats and cats. And then you doing what you've done for a very long time. What was the difference? Ready to pop the question. The jewelers at blue have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, uh... I was shown two different scans, like visu visually, they yeah. can like show the different activity. And I expected my brain to kind of have lightning coming off it and every single part of the mind was going completely crazy. Uh, obviously, that's what I wanted to happen. I wanted to, to, <laughs> to, to, to see that. But the truth was, there was actually a localized, focused activity. And in the person who just started, there's all kinds of stuff going on because your brain's kind of going, what is this? What is this new skill? Right. Like, what am I trying to do? Body, what are you trying to do? Consciousness, what are you trying to do? And it searches around the mind for all these, these, these different possibilities. But as you keep going, keep going, that 
sort of randomness becomes more and more refined. Your mind starts to localize and home in on exactly what it is that you're trying to do. So that's what my scan represented. It was a hyperactive localized activity. So my skill had been rehearsed and refined so much that my brain didn't need to hesitate or stammer or stutter. It knew exactly what I wanted to do. So if I think of a sound, that sound comes out. And the best way to kind of describe that is when people are not um, fluent in the language, they're just starting to learn. So say I'm starting to learn French. I have broken speaking. My phrasing is stammered. I have to go through the file in my mind to find what I want to say. And bam, okay, there you go. Yeah. But when I'm speaking in English, I'm not planning what I'm saying, but it all makes complete sense. And it's really strange when you think about that. There's this intention, this abstract intention, and then it just manifests as this really articulate, clear thing. That's expert behavior. And my beatboxing, it was proven through that, ex- that experiment, is expert behavior. And any skill, anything that is super refined, that's what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to achieve expert behavior. And that's why they say that 10,000 hours thing. That's mm. kind of what that represents. To become an expert, you need to do 10,000 hours. Um, and to be a part of an experiment that beatboxing aside just shows what happens in the human mind with skill that's what really excites me um and uh, it's the most surreal experience of my life being in an mri scanner beatboxing yeah it must mean a, a very is it allowed in an mri it's scanner beatboxing? It's yeah really really loud it, it, like? it reminds me of um uh, i think it's alien three when she's <laughs> in stasis and in this like pod like thing and i'm just looking up uh inside this this box and my, and my head has to be strapped down i have to be completely still which is quite hard for for me i'm really animated when i perform yeah um and it's like rest counts down from 20 and then it'll be like beatbox and all of these noises that sound like if you smash together 20 different computers are like sort of sh- surrounding your head um and having to kind of beatbox for 20 seconds with all these crazy noises and then it would be like rest and i have to stop and it was that for an hour how very weird yeah and but that's what happens when you, yeah. when you take on new challenges and you try and do new things you end up in in new places and it's interesting to know that you're, you're fluent in beatboxing which you know i've, I've not met anyone who's of- officially fluent in beatboxing and you must be that's a great way to put it yeah <laughs> that is it's definitely my my world language is the thing that connects me with the world so awesome awesome and with regards to your processes of of creating music now like as a, as a fluent beatboxer what is your process? Do you, do you, like, how do you lay it down? Well, I can make music at any point. So instead of where normally people might have a rehearsal or they book studio time, I am kind of the opposite of that. It really is about when I feel the most inspired and most excited. So there's, there's actually really strange places that I come up with, like my main hooks or my main lines, always on the underground. I don't know what it is, but whenever I'm, I'm sort of restricted a little bit, and I'm just walking, like going on the escalator on the London Underground. I get a hook or an idea, record it in my phone um, and think about a little bit of the composition. And then maybe when I'm walking home, then I start to piece something together and then yeah. I, r- I record that. So there's writing the piece at any point that I want. Um, and then I go through to some of the other amazing talents that I have around me to kind of capture it and record it. So Lyndon Jay has been a massive part of the mixing process and, uh, somehow the stuff that we've got 50 million plays now for the stuff online um, and awesome. that's from performing but I think that's 
writing these pieces, composing it, but then bringing it through and having it mixed and, and recorded. And that's, uh, that's in most of the solo stuff. That's Lyndon Jay's like amazing job that really helps. So it starts off with just me writing at any point, creating at any point, and then it being homed in and focused on all the way through to the recording process at the end. And up till now I've kept it very linear. Like everything is me. Um, and we've recently really expanded uh, the music that I've written and everything that I've I've created. Now there's there's no sort of limitation on that. So we're we're excited to see where it goes. Cheers, and also thank you, Lyndon, as well. What can we look forward to from you then, music wise? I know that does not exist is still doing the rounds, and it's still really fresh. And you know, I shouldn't be so so eager and Oliver like like. Please, sir, can I have some more? But <laughs> what what can we expect? Well. It's, uh, we're going to be recording before the end of the year. It's going to be my first body of work. So everything's kind of been like single releases online, put it out, yeah. videos, uh, and it reacts, people react. And, and that's been how it happens. But now uh, I really want to show what the last year and a half has taught me, doing all these, these insane projects, doing all these small bits of, of what I like to think is innovation has really evolved me as a musician. My music taste has changed a lot as well. So does not exist is the sort of start of, of a new process um, to release a body of work. Uh, so it really is going to be about pushing my boundaries, um, not going from just uh, a single layer, uh, seeing what can be done when you, you expand and have a number of different elements going on, working with some of the other musicians that I, I can't name right now, mm-hmm. but collaborating um, to, to really produce the, the best thing that I, I've ever done exciting times um and are these people that you've already worked with you've laid stuff down or is some this- of them yes there's some there's some new cats some amazing new musicians out there that uh i've connected with in the last year so this instancy and sort of meeting up in the writing process uh instead of it being like turn up go getting in a room spending a few days with someone and it not being sort of some musicians love this email email back and forth <laughs> songs and I, I don't like that at all it yeah. really needs to be an organic thing so we're cultivating this amazing environment for, for the end of the year um and yeah that's that really is a must after everything i've done despite the reaction that i've had it really is putting together something that sets the trajectory for for the future and um does not exist was the sort of starting point of that yeah so and that nothing like that did exist until you dropped it and uh, you're still looking to push boundaries which i, I really look forward to uh, let's step away from the music for a second. You play chess, do you? Yeah, you know everything, don't you? Yeah, uh, yes, I, I do. Um, that was kind of the beginnings of my my sort of process. In what way? Well, like people talk about battling and people talk about sort of getting better and improvement. Chess was kind of where it started for me. I was a, a tournament player. I uh, grew up on a council estate in East London. And when I wasn't hanging out there, I was off playing, um, trying to better uh, improve my mind as much as possible. Clarity of thought, precision, all these things are kind of integral to that game. Um, And I needed that to refine myself. I started realizing I think anyone that has passions when they're younger, it can be sports or, or music or anything. It starts to create this internal dialogue of progression. It makes you really think about why am I good at something? And it starts off as that. Okay, so 
I, I have maybe a little bit of, of, of a skill here. I really like it. Why do I like it? What is it about it that is interesting? And then it kind of progresses from that to how can I get better? What am I not good at? And why am I not good at that side of it? Um, and chess is basically a microcosm of thinking. And um, when I realized that I was really good at creative positions and, and playing in a creative way, I realized I wasn't so good at sort of sitting down and learning openings and making like the sort of really boring side of the theory. So I was like, ah, oh, well, that means that I'm, uh, I need discipline. I need to work on it. Okay, so yes, I'm not so good at this part of it, but I learned that I have to push myself to be disciplined in certain areas of things. And that was, that's really what I have to think about it. It also inspired this concept, which I call the room in your mind. So the room in your mind is something that you can build things and do things. Like some people, if I say to you, to the listeners now, like imagine a red bus, like you see a red bus in your mind, yeah. but can you change the color of the bus? Can you imagine like a person in there? Can you imagine 10 people in there? Are they talking to each other? All these things. Chess really helps with the room in your mind. And playing so much when I was younger, I like, have to admit like, when I got my first girlfriend, I, I started playing less tournaments. <laughs> but, um, and also chess is very hard to share. Like it's a, it's, it's a hard thing to share. But it taught me to have clarity and be able to see things really clearly in my mind. So because of chess, that's why I can think of music in my head. And I can, if I turn up to do a massive painting, I can start painting on the wall before I've, I've picked up a brush. And that's, it's that visual place in my head that I have to thank chess for. So it's, um, it's still a massive part. I still play all the time. I was a county player. Like I used to go with all the old boys. Um, and, and hold my own and it's it's an amazing skill to just have on the side and use it as a mind trampoline to kind of jump into other things so if I wake up and play chess on chess for 30 minutes and then go off and make music it really warms up my head so chess really gets you going and well it's given you the structure and it really gets you going nowadays that's that's awesome and what was it like playing chess with the old boys being a being a younger lad oh uh, yeah it was, it was great like anything any challenge any time that i could play a stronger opponent that was what kind of took me on board and a lot of people i've spoken to that are creative they're like you know i just got it in me and i just feel it came out the other but you're you're giving quite a scientific approach mm. to your creative stuff it's sort of renaissance it's got a renaissance vibe to it like mm. you know you you've you you've spoken about science and you've spoken about creative things as one and you don't get that as much as I'd like to nowadays and I find it a very interesting take and it's very interesting that chess has been the thing that formed your mind in a specific way that enabled you to sort of be creative and the fact that you still go to chess now as something to open up your creative side because I wouldn't think of chess as a creative thing I'm not very good at chess. Uh, I'm, I'm not into it. Maybe, maybe you could teach me a few things after the recording. So it's very interesting to see that, that you use something that's, I would say, as an outsider, mm. it's something that's not seen as a creative thing. Completely. Do you know what I mean? Like I've, I've heard people say, I might do a bit of drawing before doing music, you know, or smoke a spliff and then go and record. Do you know what I mean? To loosen up. But you're talking about something that's very, very conservative yep. from the outside. Well, that's okay. So in the first four moves of chess, you have 400 billion possibilities. Right. And it seems so rigid, like it's just—it's like thirty, like just pieces on on a board. Like, what's the, where's the creativity in that? But when you start to really see people playing, and what it realize, what I started to realize is, you can tell a lot about a person by how they play. Are they aggressive? Are they passive? Do they are they defensive? Are they really clean, or do they do crazy things or invest in the moment? From the outside, it does, it seems so horrifically rigid, but it's insanely poetic and creative. And I think all 
things in this world are made up of parts and components and sometimes to be deconstructive which i think is what you're describing which i I am to break things down it can be seen as counterproductive or or rigid but i think it's only by seeing the parts of what what makes the whole is what really gives you the power to have clarity and i think chess is an amazing example of that where all of these parts if you just look from the outside you think okay there's just a bunch of, of rigid pieces when they start interacting with each other and the way you have to understand your opponent that's what that's the whole that um is amazingly creative and yes if you just keep it within chess i actually think it's an unhealthy thing so if you just play chess you can't share you can't use that skill but if you learn to deconstruct you learn to understand and hypothetically let's say you learn to play chess but then you use that thinking you use that ability and go on to do something else go on to apply it to something else which you can share or change the world then it's amazing it's an amazing example of, of a game that can really open your mind you can use it even use it to create complex layers of sound and visuals <laughs> like does not exist so maybe maybe that's <laughs> the reason you're able to come up with something like that and and think about the different angles as you were shooting it um what else do you do to, to kill some time? Like, how, how, how do you kill some spare time? We, we've covered a lot of ground, really, about how I kill, <laughs> kill, kill, kill time. Um, but yeah, um, I, uh, like I say, I have, to, I have to keep on it. I have to run. I have to make sure that I, I stay uh, on, my, on my exercise. I'm constantly listening to music, which is obviously like directly resulted. But um, it's, uh, yeah, I love... I love my, my relaxation time. I've learned to actually stop and calm the hell down. I, yeah. I was really proud of my busy process for so long, always doing things, always doing things. Um, but taking a moment to, to stop and, and think and, and meditate is actually a massive passion now. It's something that I've learned how to, what calms me down, what people calm me down, what things like help me relax. So when I'm not doing my music, not doing my art, not doing my thinking. Um, I'm actually passionate now about chilling. <laughs> so yeah, making sure, and I think everybody needs that. They need to find the people around them that keeps them in the room, stops them thinking about other things, stops them uh, becoming distracted by work and, uh, and, and, and all the things that we have uh, around us to distract us. So uh, yeah, sound can be an amazing thing to 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 meditate to, to think to. Mm. Like sometimes I don't like the word meditation just because it is it can be seen as, as contrived or over the top, but just just peaceful thinking, stopping. Yeah. Um so yeah, not to keep it too deep, but I'm massively passionate about stopping occasionally as well. I don't think enough people are honest about that. I've I crack a joke uh with my mate Dev about all the time about when we haven't got much to do, we'll say to her, to each other, what, what are you up to, what you what you got coming up? And we we'll just go, you know what? Not much for a couple of days intentionally but it's like in this day and age where everyone's online all the time and connected and always doing stuff it's very easy to not ever want to look like you're doing anything other than giving 110 percent especially when you're creative like us so it's good to hear people like you say that um basically people don't like to say that they haven't got anything on whereas you're saying it's good to hear more people like yourself say it's healthy to stop uh have you got, like I know you said meditation. Have you got any advice for me? Because I I, str- I genuinely struggle to stop sometimes. Is there a one thing that I can try? Well, like I said, for me, it's uh, I was so interested in never stopping, and it actually is one of the first things um, that I took on that should have been really natural, but uh, to just relax. And I realised I actually found it really really hard. So 
I think for for yourself and for anyone, people don't realize that it is one form of meditation when you're really inside of something and enjoying something. So it can be as simple as listening to a podcast. It can be as simple as watching something on a on a TV show. Um, but I think a, a great step forward is music and people put it on in the background and you do other things when you're doing it. But sitting down, putting on an album and actually lying down, closing your eyes and listening to it, like that is a, a great step forward because you're actually taking something in wholly for what it is, not in fragments or parts and you're thinking or you're on your phone, you're doing other thing. I think a type of this thinking I'm talking about is to kind of really face something full on and take it wholly and completely in for what it is and not be distracted um, because we have all the information in the world is in our pocket at any time. There's so many people around us just focusing in on something. It can be a sound like a friend of mine went to something called gong meditation, which sounds so ridiculous, but they use sound and people focus in on it. So if you've got a busy mind, instead of just sitting in nothingness and pretending you focus in on something that is inspiring to you. So sitting down and actually looking at a painting for half an hour, like really taking it in and thinking about it and understanding it um, as opposed to uh, being distracted and running around, I just think is a really natural stepping stone. Um, And, Something that my uh, dad used to say to me, which is a visual that really helps, is you imagine a lake and there's the moon in the sky and the lake is completely clear and you can see the reflection of the moon in the water. Whenever you think of anything, it creates ripples. You need to keep that lake completely clear. So these visual mechanisms, these audio mechanisms, focus in on something which people, I think a lot of people think is countering to meditation, but are really great inspirational ways to just hone in and focus your mind. Don't be distracted, like be a laser beam, find ways to be a laser beam and, and home in on something which is uh, whole and entire. Amazing. You're, you're a very avid speaker, I must say, like, you know. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, you are, you are. I mean, is it is it true you're going to be doing some sort of professional speaking at some point <laughs> this year? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, talking about ideas, talking about people's ideas, talking about creativity, about how people think, about why I've been able to do the things that I do are uh, the the, the pro- real progression, I think, because entertaining people is great. Making people feel good is great, but... I think there's this almost second creative puberty when you think about all the things you've learned and you think, how can I actually apply them? How can I actually affect the world around me? What can I contribute back? What can I do to change people's minds? What projects can I can be a avid speaker here? Um, that was a shame. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what can I contribute? What can I give back? Um, and speaking about ideas is and coming up with ideas is really what, uh, I think embodies that idea. So um, yeah, I'm going to be at a few different spots this year speaking. Are you actually? I'm, we're beating around the bush now. Is it true you're going to be doing some lecturing? Yes. Where is the lecturing going to be? Please read uh, one. This October, uh, I've been invited to Harvard University to be um, a guest lecturer and to be a part of a program which allows me to utilize the different amazing facilities they have at Harvard University. Um, which, as a boy from from East London. Um, and as a creative who uh, has kind of come into the realm that I'm in in a certain way is extremely exciting. Um, 
<laughs> what sort of stuff are you going to be lecturing about? Like, how, like, how, like, how are you going to, yeah, we're going to talk about. Well, there's a, a number of things. So, as I mentioned, what can you contribute? What is your thing? Mm. And the two things, themes that seem to be really strong with me as a creative are there's this physical ability that I have. And if you take away all the f- like music association, all the genre association, you arrive in the, the, the world of phonetics. So, phonetics basically, and phoneticians, it's their job to know what is humanly possible with the human voice. They should know everything. They should have it on lock, like completely. But this subculture that I've been a part of and this world that I've been a part of in the last three years, we've discovered things and the people that I've been speaking to, the, some of the phoneticians in the UK, yeah. the things that I do are not actually logged in the phonetic alphabet. So going out there to uh, speak about these physical capabilities that I have is like one part of it. Uh, I'm going to be speaking about this other theme, this other thing that's really important to me at the moment, which is how busy minds actually can be really productive and how you can uh, sometimes by mixing a number of different elements together, that's what leads to something unique. And I think one of the reasons that I became so uh, obsessive and interested in this art form is directly result of the fact that I needed to make music all the time. And how did I cultivate that busyness? So going to to Harvard University and speaking about my portfolio and speaking about busy minds and talking about the human voice um, is what I'm going to be doing. And it's uh, I'm so excited and humbled by the fact that I can go there and just be a part of that realm for a, a little while. So that's amazing. Uh, how did that come around? Um, there is a a program there where they invite world experts. Um, so. <laughs> which is great to, to come home from a gig and, and get an email from Harvard basically inviting me to be a part of, of this, this program in which they give you an office, they give you a space to work for um, a little while and to, to basically open their doors to the more lateral sort of thinkers of the world. Um, and what I've realized in the last few sort of months is that artists and people that are creatives and maybe haven't been a part of an academic institution are actually really useful assets to academia when they can articulate their ideas. So there's so many artists that just do the thing. They either just paint or they're just a musician. And that, that is amazing. It makes so much sense. That's what people want. Sometimes they don't want things to be deconstructed. But if you can articulate your ideas and really understand how you've got to your ability, that's really useful to other people because the chances are you've got there in a really unique way, in a way that they're unaware of. Um, so I think it's really important to, to, for the sort of lateral creatives to be in academic institutions. And I think that's one of the reasons that I've been invited. Amazing. I don't know whether you're going to do beatboxing or talking. Are you going to do some beatboxing? Yeah, I want to do a bit. <laughs> Is that you're going to open up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's actually quite a useful tool to be able to speak in one second. Yeah. You can just like jump between the two different things. Um, so, but yeah, I'm mostly going to be speaking, but I am actually going to be performing there as well and like meeting the students. And they have like, they have a lot of tradition there. I actually went out there to, to kind of visit them to talk about what I'm going to be doing when I yeah. go. And uh, I couldn't believe how much it actually is like Cambridge in the UK. Really? Yes, yeah, same architecture. The same people built it apparently. Right. So I had okay. no idea. So, but they have like, yeah. when I go there, I'm going to have to have a, a lunch in my honor, which sounds really like, like a big deal but it's 
tradition. It's just like what happens. But at the end of it, I'm going to get sort of questioned by the students. So the job is to really test me, talk about my ideas. Um, so, but I'm going to perform before that as well. So it's going to be like this whole mixture of different things that will happen when I Interesting. go Interesting. And if you want to know what that looks like, uh, easiest way of describing that is think Harry Potter, but without any broomsticks and hats on. That's the, that's the easiest way. Completely. That's the easiest way. So it's quite beautiful out there. And um, what a privilege though. Like, you know, when do we start calling you Professor Reaps? No? Well, we shall see. We shall see. Like it's like people start saying it more and more. Actually, calling me Professor Reaps, and I don't know if that's something I want just yet. Like I'm still going to be performing. I'm still like out there on stages. But this this whole leg of just just understanding things. Like yeah. how can I understand things? Do I have a unique perspective? Can it help anyone? Um, that's what I'm more interested in. And if that ever leads to me being a professor of some sorts, I don't know. Cool. All right, cool. <laughs> How long are you going to be out there for? Uh, at the moment, it looks like I'm going to be there for three weeks. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a, a short term uh, experience, but it's still incredible. Like, Amazing. Go do it. Amazing, man. Um, one little question before we leave here. If you could speak to 10 year olds, your 10 year old self and just give them one little bit of advice. What would you say? Discipline is key. Love your passions and passion and perfection are everything that you need. I, uh, I believe in you um, and I think that you should, shouldn't let other people distract you from the things that you really believe are amazing. Awesome. That can apply to you. If you know, if, if you're in a moment and, and you're thinking that, you know, oh, you know, you the listener, uh, if you're thinking, oh man, I, I need a bit of sparing on or I need a bit of advice, stuff like that always really helps. And um, can I just say, Reese, one like, I've, uh, reading up about you was something that was very hard for me to contemplate your very many sides <laughs> of creativity. I was like, he does that and he does that and he's really good at that. Like, what what's this gentleman going to be like when I meet him? But like, I'm truly amazed by somebody who's like, such an avid thinker and avid speaker as well man and, and I, I really hope you do like i hope you do I, I know you're gonna do well man and smash it out there in harvard and thank you very much for coming and having a conversation with me man that's my pleasure and i'd really like to catch up with you you know once you've been to harvard and back uh done a few more festivals and come back and and yeah man that was a that was a great chat man thank you very much no oh, thank you very much it's, it's nice to to talk about so many different projects in in one thing so yeah man and obviously if people want to uh, check you out on uh, youtube and on twitter and stuff where can we find you um, I am R E E P S O N E on Instagram, on Facebook, Reaps One, you can find me, and on Twitter, it's R E E P S number one. Yes, yeah, the one. Why are you called Reaps One, by the way? It's, it's, uh, it's the most simple basic story ever. Basically, when I was 13, I was sat on the council estate that I grew up with all my friends, and my oldest friend was going around naming everyone, um, and he called me Reaps. So it was a gift. And uh, the one is because if there's any other Reaps, they're Reaps too because I'm Reaps one. Well, that makes sense. Can you believe it though? Beatboxing is making its way to Harvard. Courtesy of Reaps one. Can't wait to talk to him after he's done that. Uh, this show is produced and hosted by me, Marcus Bronzy. Thank you to our co-producers, Billy Wright, Shane Powell, David Shawcross. Special thanks to Milo Fisher. Wide Awake, a.k.a. CJ Beats and Jordan Crisp for the amazing introduction and outro music. You can listen to Marcus Meets via iTunes, podcasts for Apple devices or Acast, which works on most phones. 
If you are unsure of what your what device to listen to Marcus Meets with, go to marcusbronzy.com slash meets to listen any way you wish. We would love for your feedback in the form of a rating or review, and review actually. You can do that by going to marcusbronzy.com slash review. If you really love us, you can become a patron of the show and get access to bonus content, early episode releases, exclusive merch, and have input on actual show content. You can donate as much or as little as you want, say the cost of a packet of crisps or potato chips, depending on where you are in the world. Do that by heading to marcusbronzy.com slash thanks. That's marcusbronzy.com slash thanks. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.